0: Okay, we're live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, of a very special guest, a returning guest. His name is David Livingston. and we talked back in December of 2020 about an excellent six-part book that he published online. And uh, it really was one of my most listened-to interviews that I had on my YouTube channel before I got kicked off. But uh, I reached out to him, so I'm delighted to have him back to talk more. And I was looking through some of his stuff, and I, I had published a book in the interim. About kind of the modern far right global movement, really, and uh, I was looking through his stuff and actually gasped about some stuff because I'd researched it, but I hadn't seen the research that he had done. But in the interim, he's also put out this book into a paperback six-part paperback series that looks really looks fantastic on uh, you know, physically on 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 a bookshelf; it would look fantastic. Glad so to have him back. So, David Livingston, welcome back. To, how have you been? Thanks,
1: Thanks for having here. me.
0: Awesome. Well, for people who may not have heard our last interview, I think there were like 10,000 listens on YouTube or close to that. Maybe you could just talk about all your other books. You know, you've written mm-hmm. other books and what led you to put together this really magnum opus, Porto Apcal, and uh, okay. then we can get into some of the subject matter.
1: Right. Um, so I've been at it for 30 years now, um, trying to uh, understand the, the origins of this conspiracy that we are uh living under uh you know what i think i think what's probably unique about my work is that i i trace it you know back far back into ancient times there's a few researchers authors that have tried to speculate about some you know pretty obscure origins uh have put out some theories but they're usually not well substantiated i have i've tried to do a very careful job of trying to trace the the, the real trajectory of uh of these ideas because of course the the perpetrators today uh, they do see themselves as the heirs of a particular uh, age-old tradition uh it did exist uh it did have a history uh, if you listen to their version of the story of course it's uh it's it's somewhere close to the truth but it's not very accurate and uh so I was trying to find what's the what's the real history behind it and that's why now I've written five books uh, my first one is *The Dying God: A Hidden History of Western Civilization*, and that's really the first book that explores the origins, the birth of the occult, and uh, takes us to the French Revolution. My second book was *Terrorism and which somewhat goes back to you know portions of the of what's covered in the *Dying God*, but really uncovers the. Um, sort of the, 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 the birth of Mithraism, the survival of the families uh, behind it, uh, and their evolution to the modern occult establishment, and then, of course, their relationship with uh, Islamic terrorism and fascism, which we'll probably end up talking about. My next book was uh, Black Terror, White Soldiers, which again expanded a lot further on the topic of the relationship between um, Islam and fascism adding in as well, of course, the new age. The fourth is transhumanism, which is a crucial topic today. If we want to understand the COVID agenda, that's really what it's all about. And so to understand exactly what are the occult roots of, of, of uh, transhumanism and what's their millennial agenda. And then finally, what happened is that I had a sneaking suspicion that fascism, you know, from my third book, <clears throat> I began to discover the, the the place of fascism in this story and um, I, uh, I just started digging and you know, this is how this how all these books uh, come about is I have no plan to uh, to write them. It's just, I start following a thread and it just keeps going and going and going. I had no I was hoping I was gonna keep make a small book <laughs> and one small book and now it's six. Um, but really what's happened is that, you know, all, all my previous book have, has, has given me a, a grounding, a background to help me explore, to give me an understanding to, help, to explore other subjects, which is why my estimate would be that my recent book, all my other books combined total to about 15% of the content and, uh, and topics of my and significance of my latest book, which is Ordo Abcow. Um, You know, I, I, I can't believe that all these years I've been studying this stuff. There's so many topics that I have only discovered for the first time in the last few years and really, really, uh, Really blown my mind of the, of their depth, the the depth of the history and their and their significance.
0: Right, I mean, there's a lot there, and you cover so much, and you have a very broad um, angle on this last book, this six part book. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the things that you found out that were in this order of chaos that maybe weren't themes from your earlier books?
1: Okay, um, there's a lot. This It's not that much time, so I'm going to try to be brief, but there's so many topics to consider. So, for example, uh, one of the most important portions, periods of history that um, if you go to volume one and you go to, let's say, like the or So this is the period, this is a whole gap, a chapter in history, which from what I've seen has been completely forgotten um, in usual, you know, explorations of call history. This is the, basically the period of Spain. Uh, of course, Spain at the time, for a period, it was under Muslim domination. Uh, there was also a large Jewish community. And uh, the particular uh, Muslim approach to um, minorities uh, allowed the Jews basically to flourish at that time. In fact, the ninth and 10th centuries of Spain is considered the golden age of Judaism. So this is kind of what the community really gives birth that allows really the the Kabbalah to emerge, and so what happens is that when the uh, Templars are are arrested, where they survive is in Spain, and they survive into a number of orders like the Order of Montesa, the Order of um, of uh, Calatrava, the Order and the Order of, of Santiago, and most importantly the Order of Christ. And so you're, there's a whole other, you know, many tangents we can explore here, but this is really what connects, you know, the Holy Grail and, um, um, you know, the Kabbalah and all sorts of other important tangents. And it's super
0: influential. The Kabbalah, in my last interview, we were just talking about the Kabbalah. Kabbalah. Mm-hmm. And apparently Jews at that time considered themselves the best under the Muslims, not under the Christians. They That's thought right. if they just paid the jizya, they were actually more free than mm-hmm. what happened later in Spain
1: yeah exactly so got
0: forced they are either forced yeah. conversion or expulsion
1: sorry exactly so it's the jews themselves who call the who call those uh, centuries the the golden age of Judaism. so um so you have the order of christ and the order of christ basically becomes responsible for uh the age of exploration out of uh beginning out of portugal particularly with a guy named uh prince henry the navigator and so these families now are all interconnected to the bloodline, the, the sort of Grail bloodline families in England and France, and this is where you get really the, the birth of several important families. What's important to remember is that all these families claim descent. Basically, they well, the, key, the core ones are claimants of the Kingdom of Jerusalem. So they're basically hereditary kings of Jerusalem. This is beside the uh, beside the fact that um, the Jerusalem had actually been lost. Uh, to the, to the the Muslims, but they continue to carry the title. So important to understand that, the, um, um, you know, these are families that claim descent from the King of David, from sorry, from King David.
0: Right. That's cool. the, and that's the uh, the Queen of England
1: currently. Correct that line uh, believes right. they're from the throne of David. Sorry. So it's the Davidic bloodline, right? So basically, the Messiah. So you know what? What these with all these families with the Kabbalah, everything what the, this whole conspiracy, the whole purpose of it is to fulfill. A Bible prophecy right? in their version of it and that Bible prophecy entails basically the arrival of the Messiah who then fights Agog and Magog and uh, establishing of a world kingdom uh, based out of Jerusalem and the rebuilding of the Third Temple and that's why the Templars named themselves Templars after the Temple and that's also why the Masons call themselves Masons because allegorically they're rebuilding the, te- the Third Temple of uh, Jerusalem. So this is why these families are preserving this line of descent because they believe that from them the Messiah is going to come. So this is why if you look at a chapter like the chapter one, Kings of Jerusalem, it's like one of the later chapters. So this is this is the chapter really that explains the mythology behind the priory of Zion. So the Priory of Zion, of course, which is key to modern day fascism. So the prayer of Zion is a myth, a legend, that was created by Pierre Plata in the 20th century, but it's founded on a lot of truth. So da Vinci, in particular, is a very central character. So this chapter, this is where I trace all the connections of all these people around him, and that he's all connected to a, number of, a specific number of families. You can see that I've got the genealogical charts there that connect the order of the garter, most important is the Order of Golden Fleece. So you have families like the Sforza family, the Est family, the Visconti family, uh, and the House of Savoy. So these are the families who all are tracing their descent to uh, King David. They are also basically the key families that are responsible for preserving the occult tradition. Uh, They are, uh, particularly the House of Savoy, are deeply connected with Nostradamus. And of course, Nostradamus is where you get the prophecy of the Grand Monarch, which is what the Priory of Zion is out to uh, complete. This is kind of where um, you get the relationship now between the connection between the Priory of Zion and uh, the European Union, right?
0: Wow! Because work. this
1: is now where you get, uh, you know, the the person who was, you know, expected to serve the role of the Grand Monarch. Prophesied by Nostradamus was Otto von Habsburg. Now, so Otto von Habsburg is not only a knight of Malta, but he is the grand master of the Order of the Golden Fleece. And this is really the order that ties all these families uh, together. It's really the central order. These are the families who, who basically, first of all, what they do is they produce uh, Protestantism. And then out of the Protestant movement, they created Rosicrucianism. And so it's the Rosicrucian movement then that creates the uh, movement of Shabtai Zavi, who declares himself messiah in 1666 uh, deludes about half of the world's jewish population at a time until of course popular story is when he converts to islam and then uh um, a lot of people are dismayed and drop out of the movement but there is a significant segment uh one in turkey called the Domne, and then a significant movement that develops in poland which is where you get somebody like jacob frank who's who's influence basically leads to the Illuminati, and most importantly, a group called the Asiatic Brethren. So the awesome. Asiatic Brethren, basically their name is basically intended to, to, to refer to the so-called Eastern mystics that the Templars had come into contact with during the Crusades. So now we want to talk about, uh, because we want to talk about the role of fascism. So that's basically the underlying background, right? It's a deep oh. background, right? It's it is. Deep background, right. So Otto von Habsburg was one of the founders of a group which is basically the umbrella organization of the Fascist International, which is called Le circle, Le Pinet circle. the Circle, the Pinay Circle. So it's it's uh, founded by him as well as uh, Antoine Pinay and Jean Violet. So that's in my chapter on the uh, volume one. That's where it volume begins. One? Which so is, The Circle is uh, very yeah. important. Yeah, Yeah.
0: I think it's actually mentioned What's in you, one of the James Bond books by Fleming.
1: Really? Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, there's a Le Cirque. And it actually it just came up because there's a member of the parliament. Somebody in the UK right now was a member of the fascist Le Cirque. Like literally I read about it two days ago. Excellent. So, so what chapter am I supposed to go to? Sorry. So actually,
1: no, I'm there's volume three. Five, and it's one of the last chapters, which I think is European Union. Gotcha. Because basically Antoine Pinay was simultaneously one of the founders of the Bilderberg movement. And so there's, there's a whole other story here, which I won't get into, but basically a couple of chapters before that, um, which is very, very important, very crucial to the story, is the Vichy government in France. So when 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 the Nazis occupied the northern portion of Germany, they created an the occupied uh, government there, but then the southern portion of Germany created a pro-Nazi uh, government based out of Vichy. And uh, so this government basically was a synarchist. Uh, coup, uh, and synarchists, of course, uh, are followers of of um, of a guy from the turn of the uh, from the late 1800s. His name is uh, Saint Yves uh, Alexander Saint Yves d'Alverde, and so this is one of the most important um occult organizations. And uh, basically, they believe that they that there was a uh, there was a society civilization that lived in a hollow earth and they adopted a political system uh, known as uh synarchy.
0: Synarchy, okay, right. Yeah. Isn't that supposed to be that uh the place in the north it's not Atlantis, it's the hyperboreas in the earth or something. Yeah, so there's two
1: places there's Agartha and, and um well yeah so this yeah there's two sorry
0: to interrupt here Dave no but problem. this is literally what I just like saw yesterday mentioning Great. the circ this guy Nathim Zawahi was the education secretary is part of an opaque transatlantic right-wing group which includes yeah. members of the intelligence community has been funded by ci the circle. that's him like that wow yeah. so anyway sorry to hard
1: to yeah thanks something something i have to look up so yeah, yeah this organization to... is key right so um where was i Um uh, oh, you're yeah. talking so, about synarchist. the yeah. synarchy yeah so you get the synarchists in france and basically you get all these philosophers uh who are part of these various word wing movements out of france and it's basically uh, you, these. So the the, the dream of, of creating a European Union was really a synarchist mission. And that's why it's like these these philosophers that come out of, uh, you know, after World War II, who join up with the Bilderberg Group and the CIA, effectively, to take on the plot. And, of course, um, one of the main um, architects of the plan was a guy named uh, Kuhnhorf, uh Kalergi, Richard Kunharv Kalergi.
0: Kalergi, I've heard that. Name.
1: He founded... Klergy. He founded the Pan European Union with uh, Otto von Habsburg. Wow. So uh, basically, obviously. what happens is that you know after World, so I mean, really the Nazis is is really the key here. What a lot of what I follow in my book is <clears throat> is the, the 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 use really of of the Nazis for for this particular plot. I mean, I, as everybody knows, the the Nazis were occult Satanists. Um, one of the key influences, of course, was um, Alistair Crowley. I believe it's very likely he was actually Hitler's handler. Uh, most particularly, I follow the relationship between uh, Hitler and what's called the Cliveden set. So this the Cliven, So the the, the H- Roses Round Table has many names, and one of them is Cliveden set, because um, you know after basically I think it's beginning in the twenties or thirties, they start congregating at Cliveden House. Uh, which is owned by Nancy Astor and all her circle of uh, friends. And a lot of them were basically uh, Nazi collaborators. So, um, 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 yeah, so basically that's kind of the, the the grounding that really, there's a whole other called, called tangents that's not really a time to get into, but of course. Right, I
0: mean, but I mean, that just shows the thoroughness of your research. People have got to go check out this book and get Good. the six part uh, series, it looks great if you're watching YouTube, you can see how clean this looks, and then you can get this and add this to your library. Really awesome looking! So, great. Great. but yeah, um, it really is fascinating. Crowley was known to be in, uh, in remember. Germany, from I think thirty to when Hitler to came Germany, into 32, power, I think yeah, thirty thirty-two. So it was right yeah. at the end of the Weimar Republic. Very right. chaotic time. Yeah, and he say, famously said, "Before Hitler was, I am." I am wise. Which is exactly. I was, yeah, yeah. A really dark, biblically, you know, it's what Christ said before Abraham was, I am. Yeah. So it's a play on that statement before the Sanhedrin. Really potent, dark, heavy-duty stuff. Yeah, but, but I you, I've made the argument that. Similar to your statement, which is Hitler was a political Crowley, but yeah. that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, Please continue. Uh, so, a,
1: product of, a product of the Stavistock Institute. Well, so um, yeah, so Crowley was also a friend with Eric von Ludendorff, who was one of who's both a member of the Thule Society and the Alf Bau is crucial. But basically, what happens is that uh, in World War One, uh, this is what Richard Spence exposed: is that uh, Crowley was in the United States doing black propaganda. Uh, but he was actually working for um, the British uh, Secret Service. And This is a whole network. Basically, he was his his um, his boss was Philip Wiseman, who was another member of the Round Table. And this is the group wow. that connects a whole lot of basically uh, early Zionists, particularly Otto Kahn, um, Felix uh, Untermeyer, and the House, the the Warburgs, and Kudlow Bank. And this is really the group. Cool. That, wow! This, yeah, this is the group The that birth of the Zionist movement. They are also members of the Golden Dawn. So Autocon. Wow,
0: that's amazing. I had no idea. I just talked to Spence about Mm -hmm. his book. So it's interesting you bring him up. But we talked a lot about Kuhn Loeb and uh, Shihab and all these characters.
1: Yeah. Sorry. Like just to to get to to where it goes, basically Sammy, the the park in New York, there's a park in New York named after Felix and Tomarco Tomarco Park, right? And that's the park that was exposed in... Maury Terry's book about the son of Sam Killins, right? Totally a The cult. magic rituals that were happening there. So his and, and Maury Terry who mentions that uh, Untermyer was a member of the wow. Golden Dawn. So really you have this whole network. network of basically Golden Dawn, Satanists and Zionists who are working during World War I together. Collaborating with them is Eric von Ludendorff as well as uh, von Papen and as well as um, uh, George Sylvester Virick. He's a fascinating character. So Joseph big, he knew every, he knew everybody. He was friends with Crowley. He was friends with Einstein, Nikola Tesla, Freud. You know the list goes on and on and on. Alfred Kinsey. He used to have he used to have uh, parties at his flat in New York. He invited all these like crazy crackpots like uh, uh, Kinsey. Uh, it's where you get a lot of people from like the National Renaissance Party were there and stuff like that as well, too. Wow. That's, so that's right. yeah. Early probably worked for Rurek, the
0: fatherland, I think, in the international. Correct. The title. Exactly. Lurek. Exactly.
1: So Eric von Ludendorff was a member of what's an organization called the Aufbau. Along, along another member of the key character is Boris Brassel. So Boris Brassel, the Aufbau basically was a run, white Russian organization that was anti-Bolshevik. And they are the ones who basically were responsible for disseminating protocols. And as I show, you know, I've shown many times before, the protocols were a product of the right of Memphis Israel uh, and the um, uh, Israelite uh, alliance. The, for they seem to have been basically deliberately, you know, leaked uh, by a cultist. Uh, the, the, in fact, the lady who introduced it to Sergei Nilus, uh, her name was Yuliana Glinka, and she was a student of uh, Blavatsky. Part of that wow. whole circle, part of that whole synarchist network that was uh, operating in Saint Petersburg, and Spence thinks that uh, Crowley was part of that network as well.
0: Wow, that's incredible! And there's a lot of occultism there too in that kind of uh, the turn of the century Russian. Yeah,
1: revolution. because they were you know fomenting the Russian Revolution.
0: Wow, that's incredible! So, These connections are off the
1: charts. Yeah. Sorry, so Boris comes to the United. States. So basically, what happens is that so Boris Brasol is the key guy who's disseminating the protocols, and the reason they're using the protocols is because they want to create this notion that the Bolsheviks are, the the, the Russian Revolution was actually a, a Jewish Masonic plot, and that the, the uh, the they wanted to convince the Germans that they were threatened with the same, basically to, to use the Nazis for their protocol uh, purposes. So they're the ones who introduced the Nazis, Brassel was working with Henry Ford, and together they're the ones who introduced the, the protocols, to the nazis alfred rosenberg was also a member of the Altbau. wow
0: so that's how you see yeah. how they
1: were basically or- all this orchestration basically to create the nazis uh you know as a movement essentially uh to to to, to move point it towards the Bolsheviks. Had- yeah pardon to, to move it to force it
0: towards the bolshevik revolution i mean I think to, that's what Hitler kept saying. We got to stop this
1: Jewish. Bolshevik. It was a pretext, exactly, pretext. which of course was in no way the real reason. And but if you understand, that's how, that's the fascist MO, right? This is what they do: is that they they throughout the century, it's what I call a conspiracy, conspiracy. They create, they, they cultivate this this fear that there is a communist conspiracy, which is Jewish and Masonic, and um, and they've been using the right. To maintain this uh, fear and that's how they push their basically their wow. fascist agenda so wow. that's sure. what they've done I in the United that. States Yeah, totally agree with that, no. totally agree with that. Yeah. so Boris Brassel comes to the United States and he becomes the, uh, the what they call the brain trust of the America First Committee and America First Committee so America First is actually a client slogan that was used you know, for 50 years before that time the, the America First Committee was created just before World War I to lobby to keep the United States out of World War II. And it was funded by the Nazis. It was composed of um, the Bund, the Klan, and the Silver Shirts. And the Silver Shirts is a fascinating story because William Dudley Paley, not only is he part of this whole crazy network, but he's also part of the IN network, right? And uh, a mentor to people like George Williamson Hunt, who's one of the first UFO contactees wow so that's 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 what i cover in volume four uh the second chapter which is about extraterrestrials and that's where you see that's that's where you see the whole relationship of basically of the cia particularly through andrea poharic and his seances of that contacted the council of nine and that entire uh, network that connects all these people uh who uh really gave birth to the to the to this myth of a of a UFO phenomenon. Wow, it goes all the way
0: back, comes out of the movements in our the
1: yeah. empire. Yeah. Wow, it's really incredible. Yeah. And so you can follow from that all the way up to people like Stephen Greer. Yeah. Wow,
0: wow, yeah. I mean, it's, so you can just trace it all the way back. It's really incredible. And not a lot of people know about the silver shirts. It's kind of an important pre-war, Amazing uh, story.
1: Amazing group. Yeah. story. So the silver shirts, basically all the, the silver shirts, The um, well, yet a guy, his name is... Is volume three the next chapter? <clears throat> um,
0: Ariosophy, is that where we're at?
1: No, sorry, volume four. Or and I think uh, it's old in, God right. in God we trust. In God we trust. In God we trust. Yeah. So you get his name is Robert LeFevre, and he founds a, um, a school called a Freedom School to teach neoliberal economic philosophy. Because out of so out of this fascist movement of the America First, you get the American Security Council. So, the American Security Council is called the heart of the military-industrial complex, which is why they kept the fascist mo. They brought it to the United States, and they maintained the same concept. They that they created this fear of communism, so that they could justify the military buildup for their own. They used that communism, right? right? So, this is really how they create the military-industrial complex. Is what which, which is what is per- currently perpetrating COVID right now, right? It's basically the slow uh, appropriation of the. Um, of the American economy through a small group of of corporations, wow. and so neoliberalism uh, is the is the argument that they use uh, to uh, to remove regulations, to uh, to remove government uh, involvement in the economy, so that they can expose everything to corporate.
0: Uh, right. So they can aggregate power to the corporates. Right. So everything exactly. moves up to the top of the pyramid. Exactly. That's exactly what happened under mm-hmm. COVID. So this is why you
1: find them all involved. This is the whole network. This is a chapter in the old right. It's all behind the neoliberal movement, particularly people like Murray Rothbard, uh, Ludwig von Mises, all these guys, right? Right. So all the
0: heroes of the right, the economic heroes of the right.
1: And most importantly, the family, right? So if anybody's interested, there's a very uh, weak documentary on Netflix about the family, uh, really a whitewash. If you want to understand it better, uh, read uh, Charlotte's book uh, on the same, and it's a it's a fascinating story of the worth of these people, from what I'm seeing, as well as uh, to, to German fascism and so on.
0: They're more sinister than they kind of look like an outwardly Christian kind of uh, yes. male club
1: or fraternity. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So basically what they did is they created a Christian right. So, you know, the problem was, is that when they were trying to do this buyout of the American industry, uh, they were up against the Christian community because Christians taught charity. And the churches used to teach what's called social gospel, which is basically, uh, yeah, the need for for charity. So basically, they kind of had to reverse. They didn't know how to, they didn't know how to to co opt the Christian community. So this is why the American, this is the the National Association of of uh, manufacturers, which is made up of all these families, the Mellons, the Duponts, you know, Rockefellers, and so on. Okay, right. The T U Trust, all that stuff. Yes. Yeah. So they're the ones who decided that what they were going to do is that they were going to, you know, change the interpretation of Christianity to turn it basically into a, a, a religion of selfishness. So this is how they they managed to to disguise it as a, as a Christian agenda. And that's basically how the family years created. And that's why basically since that time, the Christian right has been in the service of neoliberalism, which basically teaches the opposite.
0: I don't know if you should listen to that interview I did with Mike Bennett, because he goes into that part of the kind of how Christianity uh, changed, how he morphed yeah. it, but really deep down and a lot of some, probably some of the, we talked about spiritual mobilization, yeah. Pew, right. oh, wow. really goes in detail, really fascinating.
1: Great. Yeah, because a key it's, member of the key member, one of the key members of the, the, I mean, you've got uh <clears throat> What's his name, the famous uh, speaker there? Uh, uh, Reverend Billy Graham. Oh, Jim,
0: Billy Graham. So all those Billy guys came, have been influenced by this foundational post-World War II yep. yep. uh, kind of change, fascist change. In the, uh, Correct. The, how Christianity got changed. Yeah. They're all out so, there, part of that tree. They're a yes. branch of that
1: tree. Billy Graham was a Mason, and he was a member of the family. So this is, this is the whole group, particularly the family. They're the ones who created the net. So basically, you know, even though they're the ones who got any god trust put on the dollar bill because the um, United States has been a secular nation. The People people always interpret it, always believe that, you know, America is a Christian nation and, a Christ- and the Christian right has basically used that as an argument. The fact is, it's the family that was responsible for creating a change of perception in the 50s. And they did that by creating National Prayer Breakfast, which basically integrated uh, Christian religion into, into the government. They also teamed up with um, people like uh, with Hollywood, particularly all all those famous uh, Christian movies or biblical movies of the 50s and 60s, like Ben-Hur and uh, Ten Commandments and all those ones, like teaming up with Cecil B. DeMille to basically push the religious agenda, which they could use then to co-opt into the liberal uh, movement. So that's Norman Vincent Peale. That's uh, Donald Trump's uh, mentor, one of two of his mentors, uh,
0: Right, He said, that's right. He said he was, Vincent Peel was his guy. That's right. So he's, he's right, right out of that years. vein too. He really yeah. is. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't, I think he says he's a Christian, but.
1: but no, these guys are Gnostics. Yeah. yeah well, they're, they're, they're well, Satanists. Well, they so are yeah. Too. So basically, so that's where you get, so yeah, you get to get the first Committee, the American security council, American security council. Uh, basically what happens there is that out of there, um, uh, there's an organization called, this is in the next chapter, um, volume four. Um, Novus Red Order Scare. Liberalism? Ch- volume, chapter Scare. seven, Red Scare. Scare. So, this chapter I talk about. Uh, so, there's Roy Cohn with um, McCarthy. McCarthy. Roy Cohn is Donald Trump's. His other influence, interest. right? It was Cohn. Uh, yeah. Right. In addition Sorry. to Huxley, he's the true villain of the 20th century, right? He's the guy who was maintaining, operating, uh, basically, satanic uh, parties, orgies that were attended by um, uh, Son of Sam. Wow. so it was Barry him? Was it? Yes.
0: Wow, right. I didn't know that. I wasn't
1: aware of that. And it's it's his pedophile network, which gives birth to all the other ones, which you can trace all the way down to Epstein. I would heard that.
0: Right. I heard that he was running a pedophile number. He used to hang out with porn stars. I forgot the really famous porn star that he was friends with. He used to go on flights with this character.
1: Yeah. John Holmes. He was was friends with John Holmes.
0: How weird is that? Right.
1: Right. Yeah. He was friends with everybody. I mean, he was a really important guy. So he was a member of an organization called uh, American Jews Against Communism. And this was a Sabbatian network. And they're the ones who convinced McCarthy to hire Roy Cohn. And uh, so basically, it was like a. um, Right leaning uh, Jewish uh, network, and uh, so it's basically the the guys from that organization then who teamed up with the John Birch Society and then joined into William F. Buckley's uh, National Review. Wow, right. this is too much! It's incredible, <laughs> right.
0: it's incredible. So, so you could we could, we could just do a show on this character right here on the right. I
1: mean, we, I'm telling you, we can. He died of AIDS, you. I think he died of AIDS. He did, like of course, he was a yeah, notorious yeah. homosexual. Okay, yeah. So. Him and uh, Plaringy had uh, blackmail on Hoover as well, too. That's a fascinating story. So Roy Cohn, apparently, the claim is that he was also uh, a member of Permindex, which was behind the JFK assassination. Right?
0: Wow. wow. Clay Shaw, right?
1: Exactly. Clay Shaw was a member of
0: Permindex, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: Wow. So the JFK assassination basically ties in all these people together. So basically, you know, um, the so the JFK assassination was a plot that included Permindex, uh, Roy Cohn, the the American Security Council, and the John a large part of the John Birch Society. And so out of this network, because Boris what Boris Brassel comes with does when he comes to the United States is he brings the uh, Russian Knights of Malta, which become known as the Shikshini Shikshini Knights of Malta. I've heard that term. And um, so basically, it's this. It's really out of that core that you get you know all these American fascists, and so. Out of that group who were who were conspirators in the JFK assassination, you get what's called a secret team, which was headed by uh, Ted Shackley. And Ted Shackley, uh, his that secret team then becomes involved in the um, uh, Golden Triangle, a heroin trade right. with Amer- America, and that's really where they give birth to uh, the CIA's uh, narcotic, uh, tr- uh, you know. I'm trying
0: to. I'm going to. You should listen to it because I think I'm going to have John J. Uh, what was not his Not McCoy What was the Albert? Uh, the guy who wrote the Golden Triangle, Alfred McCoy. I'll be yeah. talking. To him, yeah. So he'll be yeah, trying to, to, to quite talk quite
1: a bit him. as a source. Yeah.
0: Yeah, in a couple of weeks. So take, mm-hmm. keep an eye out for that. So yeah. I'm hoping to have him on on his new book, but exactly. we can talk about that too. But I, I'll tell you a Shackley story. When I was in D.C., I went out with a friend of mine who now works for George Soros associated thing we went out to the third edition Mm -hmm. short i'll just shorten the story but i was with this girl very well put together and we were having beers bill came she said i got it whipped out a black exxon credit card slapped it down and i was like okay that was nice thank you so much for the beer bye left and my buddy elbows me do you know who that is i said i had no idea he said that's that's ted shackley's daughter daughter the blonde ghost and I was the like, ghost, I, I don't know yeah. who the blonde ghost is. I, I mean, yeah. was that well yeah. now I now I know a lot more than I yeah. did back then? That was 30 exactly.
1: years ago. Sorry. So wow, that's these very, connections are criminal. Yeah. So so Ted Shackley's team, they're the one they start the um the Golden Triangle trade, which involves a Nugent Hand Bank in Australia, right? Which then involves into Iran Contra. contract. But at the same time, there's I think his name is Frank Turple, who's a name was a member of Shackley's team. He's the guy who starts uh, a new black pedophile blackmail operation inherited from uh, Roy, Cohn, Roy Cohn, and that's the operation which is behind the Franklin uh, cover-up. Wow! So that's
0: it. Wow. which so then, of course, connects,
1: been... then connects wow. the Temple of Set and Michael Aquino. Wow! That's
0: incredible. So these are these are not, this Epstein is nothing new. Epstein and Maxwell. Absolutely
1: not. 12 Continuation. 12 it's necessary, right? It's, it's how they operate. There, there's two things, right? You've got you've got satanic rituals, um, which is how they believe what they believe they need to do to attain spiritual power, right? And it involves, you know, the most horrific barbarities that you could ever imagine, which is you know, typically the rape of children, the sacrifice of children. they believe that this you know somehow uh gives them uh power but at the same time uh they're using these children uh you know allowing these children to be raped by pedophiles and then filming them and then using that as blackmail to uh you know i think that's how you can explain how so much nonsense gets passed out of washington right Right.
0: they're not doing it's not even what they're doing it's what they're not doing right exactly like these people are probably owned exactly and Virginia Geffray, she was asked by Epstein and Maxwell to have a baby and then just give the baby to Epstein and
1: Maxwell. Right. Thanks. Well, that's like that. That amazing. should
0: chill anybody. Like she writes that in her autobiography. Now, I don't know cool. what they're going to do with the baby, but yeah, they were going to pay her off. Here, here's fifty thousand. I can't remember the number. You yeah. have the baby, give it to us. No questions asked. Yeah.
1: So I'll tell you, you know what? So, in, like as I mentioned, so that so Franklin connects the temple of Set, right? And Roy Cohn's operation connects to um, the process church, right? Because Son of Sam, David Berkowitz, was part of the process church. And I'm going to give a quick tangent because, before I come back to my story. But basically, one of the guys who was, uh, you know, the sort of apparently one of the, the leaders of the satanic uh, cult that uh, Berkowitz belonged to was Roy Radden. And Roy Radden was a friend of Robert Evans. Robert Evans was the producer who created not only The Godfather and Cotton Club, but Rosemary's Baby. baby, And of course, Rosemary's Baby was, that's the, it was filmed, obviously, directed by Roman Polanski, uh, whose wife was killed by Charles Manson, who was part of the Process Club. Robert Evans was a key character, and uh, this is what I covered in in Volume 6, in my chapter on uh, Me Too, which is Chapter 4. And this is the entire Me Too Uh-oh. network of Hollywood uh, pedophiles, and so Robert Evans is a key character in that uh, nasty business. Really, wow! So, I didn't know that. Yeah. At all. So this is where you know this is the chapter where I connect all these people. Uh, this is back to Roy Cohn again, Studio Fifty Four, Donald Trump, Jeffrey Epstein, uh, Netanyahu, his crew, like right? uh, Terry Packer, who's a friend of Murdoch, right? The guy who in the guy who introduced, who brought basically brought Murdoch to the United States and introduced him to Ronald Reagan is Roy Cohn. Wow. That's off the
0: charts. And he's like it's a rival of
1: Maxwell. So yeah. these
0: characters are intertwined
1: and moving around. It's a small network of national, yeah. international sadness. Okay? And, so, and,
0: and and Manson famously said, Robert de Grimson and I are one. Right. He said that. You don't trip and make that statement on record. No. I'm sorry. People yeah. quote Crofts over his occult yeah. network and all his connections to Kenneth Anger through Bobby Busley. But it's all there. Sorry. but Yeah.
1: These so connections are off the charts. Yeah. This is another tangent I found, which is really fascinating. So Mary Ann McLean, who was the co-founder of the Process Church with Robert de Grimstone, she was formerly a high-class prostitute and the employee of a guy named uh, Dr. Stephen Ward. So Dr. Stephen Ward is basically, he was a uh, osteopath to the elite in England. <clears throat> he he treated everybody. He started his career by uh, uh, b- becoming friends with Har- Avril Harriman. That's right. White Skull and Bones. And then uh, became friends with everybody, starting with Churchill and entire network. So um, he he also well, he pimped uh, a number of girls, uh, most famously, Christine Wheeler, Christine Keeler. Christine Keeler, was she was at the heart of what's called the Profumo scandal of 1963 because she was sleeping at the same time with John Profumo and the Russian ambassador. And when it was exposed, it was considered a huge national security risk, and it brought down the Macmillan government. But what's interesting, Kennedy was panicking and following that whole uh uh, scandal very closely because he was implicated. He he basically was sleeping around with a number of Stephen Ward's uh, uh, girls. So now uh, the most one of the most important families, you know, in the last century, particularly behind the fascist movement. I mentioned a few of them, like the the DuPonts, but the Melons are crucial. Most of them were involved in the OSS. Uh, you know they they were. Um, the the top five or the richest, yeah, the top five richest families in the United States. <clears throat> um, um, so what happened? They were so, tied
0: to Leary, right? It wasn't one of Where was going to go? <laughs> okay,
1: so David Bruce, who is the um, American ambassador appointed American ambassador by Kennedy, he gets sent to England to check out uh, what the heck is going on. And he's sent to go meet with uh, Stephen Ward and Billy Hitchcock, who was Leary's uh, buddy, who funded uh, Leary's experiments. He owned, sorry, yes, he owned the Millbrook estate. Millbrook, right? That was really uh, Leary's mecca, that drew everybody from the '60s, including the Mary Pranksters and the whole crew. Oh,
0: and there was, a, and Leary went and met with the Process Church in New York City. He, there was arguments or, or rumors that he was. I'm a brief member or maybe a member or something. That makes sense. But, that uh, make sense. So you totally confirmed that McClain was Stephen Ward's. Pit, uh, so yeah. that was confirmed. Wow, yeah, exactly. Cool. And yeah. I did an interview with uh, Thomas okay. uh, Douglas called Scapegoat about that whole case.
1: Okay. Because he, w- he got wad,
0: wasted. Yeah. yeah.
1: So what's yeah. interesting is that Keeler wrote a memoir and she's, she's very clear about it. That's deep. soap. so this is what's really interesting. I, I talked earlier about the Cliveden set, right? the Cliveden set, which is basically another name for Round Table Group. They're based out of, out of uh, uh, the Cliveden house that was owned by Nasty Astor. And that's really the the, the bee's nest, the hornet's nest that attracted all these Nazi collaborators um, uh, in, in England. And um, there's actually a whole chapter on it in volume three. So um, her son is uh, Lord Astor. And so he's the guy, basically, he lends a cottage at in to Stephen Ward. That's right. Wow. That's and right. it's there, it's there that, so what Keeler describes, Christine Keeler describes, is that uh, it's there that uh, Ward used to uh, um, host Masonic black magic orgies. Mm-hmm. So basically, exactly, you know, the, the eyes wide shut kind of scenario. This is what we're talking about. And this is it's that these parties that he introduced the, his girls to people like Profumo and uh, Ivanov and uh, and so on and so forth. So here we have, you know, uh, a open and shut case about satanic ritual, uh, you know, sex magic taking place among the elites. And it's Paul. It's the Mellon family who are at the heart of it. So David Bruce, he was married to. Uh, the sister of Paul Mellon, and Paul Mellon was really the you know the most important Mellon of his time. Again, probably listed as one of the richest uh, people in the United States at the time. Also worked for the OSS with Alan Dulles. So now uh, Paul Mellon, he he and his wife were the main financiers of what are called Arno's conferences. So to understand the birth of the New Age movement and Eslin, like Michael Murphy said that Eslin, was based, he took the Aronos Conferences as a model for the founding of the Esalen Institute. Wow. So So the Aronos Conferences were founded by a woman who was a friend of Alice Bailey in the late uh, 1920s. And it's a whole host of characters, a lot of occultists uh, from the OTO, uh, from Theosophy, from Rudolf Steiner's um, Anthroposophy, and uh, who basically gathered together to create these In fact, it took place in Ascona, which I don't know if you ever heard of Monteverida. So, in volume two, volume two, yeah, let's go. Volume two, chapter called Sex. Sorry, volume three. Volume three, um, it's near the top Eugenics and Sexology. This entire network that includes basically people like Freud, because Freud was a Sebastian, right? And what these so what all these Sebastians are out to do is to overturn, you know, the society's moral foundation. Mm-hmm. And they come out of the Fabian Society, which creates the eugenics movement, and they create uh sexology. And this is where you get a guy, the influence of a guy like um George Sylvester Vierek, uh uh Crowley's friend, because he's friends with that whole network of sexologists. Wow. And um so uh it's so a lot of these characters then start to uh, um, become connected to Monteverida in Ascona in Switzerland, which is a sort of considered the first hippie uh, community, like a, a bohemian community that experimented in all kinds of you know, alternative lifestyles. It was basically a theosophical community. Uh, one of the main influences there was a guy named Otto Gross, who was one of, uh, of um, 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 Freud's uh, uh, students. And, if, and worked with uh, Jung as well, too. And Jung, of course, is the guy, if you've read about Jung and his interest in occults, I mean, his, his, his ideas were pervaded with with occult influences. If you ever look at his red book and all that stuff, he apparently right. made contact with a spirit guide called Philemon and stuff like that, right? right? So now Jung keeps up with this lady, Olga, in Ascona to create the Arnos Conferences. So Jung basically becomes really the, the chief um, you know uh, figure in this movement. And it's, and it's really, you know, most of the leading scholarly uh, books, classics of the 20th century are almost all written by people who belong to the Aerenos foundation. People like Mary Kay Elliott, who's a friend of uh, Julie Savola, uh, you know, Joseph Campbell, of course, which is a key guy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. Carl Carini, oh. uh, E.M. Uh, e. FM Cornford, uh, Emery Schimmel, who's an expert in, uh, uh, Islam, Islamic Sufism, uh, Messignon. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. It's and- just
0: incredible. Your books give so much dimension to the history that we're taught, even in college, even like graduate level. They don't have this undercurrent that's really, in my opinion, is the most important aspect of these mm-hmm. familial connections, the mm-hmm. esotericism or occultism. Yeah. And it just is it's all been expurgated or sanitized or yeah. bleached out of it. It's just well, it you, doesn't tell the full story of a lot of these guys. Sorry.
1: You're 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 not allowed to to, to have a, a, a thesis that assumes the existence of a conspiracy. You'll be kicked right. out. You'll never you'll never get a degree. So so effectively, you know, academia is designed uh, to deny the existence of a of any kind of conspiracy. It's, it's be, amazing. It's, it's hard, hard to, to think like. that. Yeah, so was, it's it's the key that allows you to connect all the dots, right? And to understand why these people share these ideas and what they're really up to. But of course, they teach coincidence theory, which is just, you know, a random, um, you know, uh, string. Of... I
0: mean, talking with you, it's like blowing my mind, like the connections too, because you just filled out stuff about the wreck and all these other characters that are all going back in time. It really is. It's really important mm-hmm. to see those historical so I yeah. wish we had more time. Maybe you yeah. can come back. I have another interview where I'm going to talk about uh, LBJ. He was an interesting character, but uh, it's really a delight. Thanks for coming back on, and really congratulations on this important work and putting together that six part six part together. If you're on YouTube, you can see that. Where's the best place for people to get your
1: books? Yeah, if they go to my website, which is ordolabco.ca. And then I've got links to so the entire book is actually on online and, you know, uh, as text in those web pages or you can buy the paper version. Uh, and there's a link to the uh, the there's a single page on Amazon which lists all the volumes and there's a link to it from there. Gotcha. On the it's David
0: Livingstone with an E at the end. And they, you Correct. have a Patreon, too. So if people want Correct. to support your continuing research yep. and follow you, I think that's important that's too it. because you're giving this book away. Which is incredible for mm. zero for, unless people want right. the books. Yeah. But uh, congratulations again and just just a great interview, you know. I mean amazing, amazing research. Great. So really appreciate nice. it. David Livingston, thanks. thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me on. All right, take care. Yeah. Bye. Stay there. Stay there.